are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. And if you'd like to discuss the reading that we hear today, you can do so on Facebook at the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, where you can interact with other followers and listeners of the podcast. Now let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria. All good and holy God, we thank you for the life of your servant Maria of Agreda. May we follow her holy example and shun the allurements of the world, and abandon ourselves to your perfect will. Like her, may we enter into the quiet of heartfelt prayer, and find your presence deep in the silence of our souls. Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Immaculate Conception, may we pursue with deepest longing a profound purity of heart, mind, and body. By the prayerful help of Venerable Maria of Agreda, may we become holy, and radiate the light and life of Christ to all we meet. Amen. Today is day number 106, and we are reading from chapter 11 of volume 2, and we'll be reading paragraphs 134 to 143. 134. The Holy Prince Gabriel replied, Luke 124, Lady, it is easy for the divine power to make thee a mother without the cooperation of man. The Holy Spirit shall remain with thee by a new presence, and the virtue of the Most High shall overshadow thee, so that the Holy of Holies can be born of thee, who shall himself be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth has likewise conceived a son in her sterile years, and this is the sixth month of her conception, for nothing is impossible with God. He that can make her conceive who is sterile can bring it about, that thou, lady, be his mother." still preserving thy virginity and enhancing thy purity. To the son whom thou shalt bear, God will give the throne of his father David, and his reign shall be everlasting in the house of Jacob. Thou art not ignorant, O lady, of the prophecy of Isaiah, that a virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son, whose name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. This prophecy is infallible, and it shall be fulfilled in thy person. Thou knowest also of the great mystery of the bush, which Moses saw burning without its being consumed by fire. Exodus 3.2 This signified that the two natures, divine and human, are to be united in such a manner that the latter is not consumed by the divine, and that the mother of the Messiah shall conceive and give birth without violation of her virginal purity. Remember also, lady, the promise of the eternal God to the patriarch Abraham, that after the captivity of his posterity for four generations, they should return to this land, the mysterious signification of which was that, in this, the fourth generation, the incarnate God is to rescue the whole race of Adam through thy cooperation from the oppression of the devil. Genesis 15.16 There is a notation here in the text. It is following the words fourth generation. I'll read the footnote. In the autograph manuscript, Maria of Agreda explains this fourth generation as follows. The mystery of this fourth generation is that there are four generations, that of Adam without a father or mother, and that of Eve without a mother, the third of our own from a father and mother, and fourth that of our Lord Jesus Christ from a mother without a father. And the ladder which Jacob saw in his sleep was an express figure of the royal way which the eternal word was to open up, and by which the mortals are to ascend to heaven, and the angels to descend to each, 
To this, earth, the only begotten of the Father, shall lower himself in order to converse with men, and communicate to them the treasures of his divinity, imparting to them his virtues and his immutable and eternal perfections. 135. With these and many other words the ambassador of heaven instructed the Most Holy Mary, in order that by the remembrance of the ancient promises and prophecies of Holy Writ, by the reliance and trust in them and in the infinite power of the Most High, she might overcome her hesitancy at the heavenly message. But as the lady herself exceeded the angels in wisdom, prudence, and in all sanctity, she withheld her answer, in order to be able to give it in accordance with the divine will, that it might be worthy of the greatest of all the mysteries and sacraments of the divine power. She reflected that upon her answer depended the pledge of the most blessed Trinity, the fulfillment of his promises and prophecies, the most pleasing and acceptable of all sacrifices, the opening of the gates of paradise, the victory and triumph over hell, the redemption of all the human race, the satisfaction of the divine justice, the foundation of the new law of grace, the glorification of men, the rejoicing of the angels, and whatever was connected with the incarnation of the only begotten, the Father, and his assuming the form of servant in the virginal womb. Philippians 2, 7. One thirty-six. A great wonder indeed, and worthy of our admiration, that all these mysteries, and whatever others they included, should be entrusted by the Almighty to a, a humble handmaiden, and made dependent upon her fiat, but befittingly and securely he left them to the wise and the strong decision of this courageous woman. Proverbs 31.11 Since she would consider them with such magnanimity and nobility that perforce his confidence in her was not misplaced, the operations which proceed within the divine essence depend not on the cooperation of creatures, for they have no part in them, and God could not expect such cooperations for executing the works ad intra, but in the works ad extra, and such as were contingent upon them, which that of becoming man was the most exalted. He could not proceed without the cooperation of Most Holy Mary and without her free consent. For he wished to reach the acme of all the works outside himself, in her, and through her, and he wished that we should owe this benefit to this mother of our wisdom and our reparatrix. 137. Therefore this great lady considered and inspected profoundly this spacious field of the dignity of Mother of God, Proverbs 21.11, in order to purchase it by her fiat, she clothed herself in fortitude more than human, and she tasted and saw how profitable was this enterprise and commenced with the divinity. She comprehended the ways of his hidden benevolence and adored herself with fortitude and beauty. And having conferred with herself and with the heavenly messenger Gabriel about the grandeur of these high and divine sacraments, and finding herself in excellent condition to receive the message sent to her, her purest soul was absorbed and elevated in admiration, reverence, and highest intensity of divine love. By the intensity of these movements at supernal affections, her most pure heart, as it were by natural consequence, was contracted and compressed with such force that it distilled three drops of her most pure blood, and these, finding their way to the natural place for the act of conception, were formed by the power of the divine and Holy Spirit into the body of Christ our Lord. Thus, the matter from which the most holy humanity of the word for our redemption is composed 
was furnished and administered by the most pure heart of Mary, and through the sheer force of her true love. At the same moment, with a humility never sufficiently to be extolled, inclining slightly her head and joining her hands, she pronounced these words, which were the beginning of our salvation, Fiat mihi secundum verbum tuum, Luke 1, 31. 138. At the pronouncing of this fiat so sweet to the hearing of God, and so fortunate for us, in one instant four things happened. First, the most holy body of Christ our Lord was formed from the three drops of blood furnished by the heart of most holy Mary. Secondly, the most holy soul of the same Lord was created just as the other souls. Thirdly, the soul and the body united in order to compose his perfect humanity. Fourthly, the divinity united itself in the person of the word with the humanity which together became one composite, being in hypostatical union, and thus were formed Christ, true God and man, our Lord and Redeemer. This happened in springtime on the 25th of March, at break or dawning of the day, in the same hour in which our first father Adam was made and in the year of the creation of the world, 5199, which agrees also with the count of the Roman Church in her martyrology under the guidance of the Holy Ghost. This reckoning is the true and certain one, as was told me, when I inquired at command of my superiors. Conformable to this, the world was created in the month of March, which corresponds to the beginning of creation, and as the works of the Most High are perfect and complete, Deuteronomy 32.4, the plants and trees came forth from the hands of His Majesty, bearing fruit, and they would have borne them continually without intermission, if sin had not changed the whole nature, as I will expressly relate in another treatise. If it is the will of the Lord, now, however, I will not detain myself therewith, since it does not pertain to our subject. 139. In the same instant in which the Almighty celebrated the nuptials of the hypostatic union in the womb of Most Holy Mary, the Heavenly Lady was elevated to the beatific vision, and the divinity manifested itself to her clearly and intuitively. She saw most high sacraments, of which I will speak in the next chapter. The mysteries of the inscriptions with which she was adorned and which the angels exhibited, as related in the seventh chapter, number 82, were made clear to her in each particular. The divine child began to grow in the natural manner in the recess of the womb, being nourished by the substance and the blood of its holy mother, just as the other men, yet it was more free and exempt from the imperfections to which other children of Adam are subject in that place and period. For from some of these, namely those that are accidental and unnecessary to the substance of the act of generation, being merely effects of sin, the Empress of Heaven was free. She was also free from the superfluities caused by sin, which in other women are common and happen naturally in the formation, sustenance, and growth of their children. For the necessary matter, which is proper to the infected nature of the descendants of Eve, and which was wanting in her, was supplied and administered in her by the exercise of heroic acts of virtue, and especially by charity. By the fervor of her soul and her loving affections, the blood and humors of her body were changed, and thereby divine providence provided for the sustenance of the divine child. Thus, in a natural manner, the humanity of our Redeemer was nourished, while his divinity was recreated and pleased with heroic virtues. 
Most Holy Mary furnished to the Holy Ghost for the formation of this body pure and limpid blood, free from sin and all its tendencies. And whatever impure and imperfect matter is supplied by other mothers for the growth of their children was administered by the Queen of Heaven, most pure and delicate in substance. For it was built up and supplied by the power of her loving affections and her other virtues. In a like manner was purified whatever served as food for the Heavenly Queen." For as she knew that her nourishment was, at the same time, to sustain and nourish the Son of God, she partook of it with such heroic acts of virtue, that the angelic spirits wondered how such common human actions could be connected with such supernal heights of merit and perfection in the sight of God. 140. The heavenly lady was thus established in such high privileges in her position as mother of God, that those which I have already mentioned and which I shall yet mention convey not even the smallest idea of her excellence, and my tongue cannot describe it. For neither is it possible to conceive it by the understanding, nor can the most learned, nor the most wise of men find adequate terms to express it. The humble who are proficient in the art of divine love become aware of it. By infused light and by the interior taste and feeling by which such sacraments are perceived, not only was Most Holy Mary become a heaven, a temple, and dwelling place in the Most Holy Trinity transformed thereto, elevated and made godlike by the special and unheard of operation of the divinity in her most pure womb, but her humble cottage and her poor little oratory was consecrated by the divinity as a new sanctuary of God. The heavenly spirits, who, as witnesses of this marvelous transformation, were present to contemplate it, magnified the Almighty with ineffable praise and jubilee, in union with this most happy mother, they blessed him in his name and in the name of the human race, which was ignorant of this, the greatest of his benefits and mercies. Instruction in the Most Holy Queen, Mary. 141. My daughter, thou art filled with astonishment at seeing, by means of new light, the mystery of the humiliation of the divinity in uniting himself with the human nature in the womb of a poor maiden, such as I was. I wish, however, my dearest, that thou turn thy attention toward thyself and consider how God humiliated himself and came into my womb, not only for myself alone, but for thee as well. The Lord is infinite in his mercy, and his love has no limit, and thus he attends and esteems and assists every soul who receives him, and he rejoices in it, as he had created it alone, and as if he had been made man for it alone. Therefore, with all the affection of thy soul, thou must... As it were, consider thyself as being thyself in person bound to render the full measure of thanks of all the world for his coming, and for his coming to redeem all. And if with a lively faith thou art convinced and confessest that the same God, who infinite in his attributes and eternal in his majesty, lowered himself to assume human flesh in my womb, seeks also thee, calls thee, rejoices thee, caresses thee, and thinks of thee alone, as if thou wert his only creature, Galatians 2.20, think well and reflect to what his admirable condescension obliges thee. Convert this admiration to living acts of faith and love, for that he condescends to come to thee, thou owest entirely to the goodness of the King and Savior, since thou thyself couldst never find him, nor attain him. 142. Considering merely that which this Lord can give thee outside of himself, will appear to thee grand, even when thou perceivest it only by a mere human intelligence and affection. It is certainly true that any gift 
from such an eminent and supreme king is worthy of all estimation. But when thou beginst to consider and know by divine light that this gift is God himself, and that he makes thee partaker of his divinity, when thou wilt understand that, without thy God and without his coming, all creation would be as nothing and despicable in thy sight, thou wouldst want to enjoy thyself and find rest only in the consciousness of possessing such a God. So loving, so amiable, so powerful, sweet and affluent, who, beginning such a great and infinite God, humiliates himself to thy lowliness, in order to raise thee from the dust and enrich thy poverty, performing toward thee the duties of a shepherd, of a father, a spouse, and most faithful friend. 143. Attend, therefore, my daughter, in the secret of thy heart, to all the consequences of these truths. Ponder and confer within thyself about this sweetest love of the greatest king for thee. How faithful he is in his gifts and caresses, in his favors, in the works confided to thee, in the enlightenment of thy interior, instructing thee by divine science in the infinite greatness of his being and his admirable works and most hidden mysteries, in universal truth and in the nothingness of visible existence. This science is the first beginning and principle, the basis and foundation of the knowledge which I have given thee in order that thou mayest attain to the decorum and magnanimity with which thou art to treat the favors and benefits of this thy Lord and God, thy true blessedness, thy treasure, thy light, and thy guide. Look upon him as upon the infinite God, loving yet terrible. Listen, my dearest, to my words, to my teachings and discipline, for therein are contained the peace and the enlightenment of thy soul. This concludes our reading today for day number 106. We have been reading from chapter 11, paragraphs 134 to 143. In this chapter that we concluded today, well, we heard the final events of that moment in which, again, the archangel Gabriel comes to Mary, announces this message. Mary responds to it. She says, Fiat mihi secundum verbum tuum. We hear about the conception of Christ taking place in her womb and what Mary experienced in that moment. And I think maybe as we hear this story of the Annunciation, perhaps it brings new depth to our reflection on the mystery of the Annunciation and the Rosary. Consider this. How have you reflected on the mystery of the Annunciation before hearing our readings the past several days? And how will you reflect on the mystery of the Annunciation going forward? Will you think about Mary's preparation, how God was preparing her for all of her life for this moment, this great news that she was going to hear? One of the things I always reflect upon when I hear the Annunciation is the words of St. Bernard of Clairvaux, who says, you know, the whole world is waiting for you to give your yes, Mary. Give it for us. The whole world kind of hinges on this moment, St. Bernard says. This is in his Super Misus Est homily. We kind of hear it from Maria today. At the pronouncing of this fiat, so sweet to the hearing of God, and so fortunate for us, in one instant, four things happened. Well, God hears this fiat, let it be done to me, thy will be done, she says. And then, so great it is for us, because now we have a Savior who has taken flesh in the womb of Mary. We waited for this moment, this yes of Mary in salvation history. And now everything going forward is all a part of that history of our salvation. 
I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful that you joined me today, and I hope that you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.